Okay. Welcome, everyone. We are in the book of Kings, Malachim Beis, Kings 2. We're at the end of chapter 23. And we're really almost done with the whole book, which is exciting. Whenever you finish something, uh, there's a special uh, satan or yetzahara that sometimes it tries to get you not to do something good. It tries that. And sometimes, Baruch Hashem, we don't listen, we do something good. Then the next strategy is to get us not to finish. And so there are many things, the good things that we, they are started, and the person doesn't finish. And so when you get to the end, you always have to, you know, thank God, Baruch Hashem, you know, that's a great thing that we stuck to it. So um, we learned about the righteous king, Yoshiyahu, uh, which um, it says there was no other king like him. Really amazing thing. And uh, uh, he talked about how he used Pesach as a way to uh, connect the Jewish people to Hashem. Because that was really our first yantav, coming out of Mitzrayim, coming as uh, slaves. That was the introduction to Hashem, was, was Pesach. And so that was the, uh, uh, the big national holiday. Um, he also brought everybody together. He was the first king from Yehuda who really brought the ten tribes back, which was a unique thing. Uh, meaning that once we split, so sometimes you don't have anything to do with the people that split. They split. They, they went off and made their own place, right? But uh, he went and he brought them back. He, uh, he tried to reach them. And uh, he also went back to the roots of the mistakes, meaning that he saw that the kings had tried to stop idolatry, the good kings, and it kept on uh, coming back. So he decided to uproot it. He went back to the beginnings of the isles and he destroyed them and uprooted them. And he also tried to be thorough with it because uh, different people had different idols. He got rid of the Baal, he got rid of the Asherah, he got rid of each one. And so that was uh, uh, one of the things that he did. Um, in the end of his life, he made a mistake, uh, which we're all human, we all make mistakes. And he thought, uh, as king, that he should try to stop the army of Mitzrayim from coming through, the army of Egypt from coming through. And um, he thought we'd have miracles. And uh, this is a tough one, because sometimes we like to rely on miracles. And sometimes we're foolish if we rely on miracles, because we don't, you know, uh, we live in a world where miracles are not every day. And so we can't always plan on a miracle. We have to we have, to, um, we have to do everything as if there won't be a miracle. And if Hashem gives, makes a miracle, that's great. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so uh, he was killed by the Egyptian, um, um, what do you call it, the people who shoot the arrows, the, uh, the archers. He was killed by the Egyptian archers. Um, and he died before his time. And that was really the, uh, the tragedy of it. How uh, it, can you die before your time if God knows when you're going to die? Uh, because he made a bad choice. Had he not made that choice, he would have been given more years. Oh, okay. So, uh, um, the, um, uh, the, we talk about him in Slichos because uh, it, was, uh, it could be that the Jewish people just weren't worthy of having him longer. If, if we'd been worthy of it, Hashem would have uh, prevented that mistake from happening or helped prevent it. Either way, now we're going to get to the last few kings. And unfortunately, in the very end, uh, we went through a few of them. 
uh, and uh, each one was uh, almost worse than the next. Um, we had years where the people were good, where the leadership wasn't good, uh, the, uh, the leadership was good, the people weren't good. Now we're getting to the final stages where both uh, are, are the leadership isn't good and the people are not, uh, weren't so good. And that's why we had to start over. Uh, and uh, so this is the end of that era, of the end of the, uh, the era of kings. Uh, but, um, so let's begin. So uh, the new king is called Yehoahaz. He was 23 years old. Oh, okay, that's fine. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, uh, um, actually, I should have started one Pasuk earlier uh, in Pasuk Lamed. Um, this king, um, who decided he was going to be king? So, the, the verse says a funny thing here. It doesn't say this by other kings. It says... Um, he was crowned by the simple people. That's very strange. Usually we just, everybody agrees who was crowned. We're going to see he wasn't the oldest. And for some reason they, uh, they went to the younger one instead of the older one. Now, sometimes that happens, that the, the younger one is more fit to be a leader than the older one. But that wasn't decided by the leaders or the sages or anybody important. It just says the people of the land decided to put him in. And then it says they anointed him. Normally you don't anoint a king. That means that somehow they had an agenda. They wanted him in there. So many people say, um, this is the, uh, the, during the times of Yoshiyahu, they were unable to worship the idols the way they wanted to. They felt he was too strict with them. And so these people engineered that the next king would be somebody weak who would let them worship the idols. So they had a hand in who would be king next because they felt that Yoshio was strong with that and they were unable, they knew closer, and they anointed him instead of his father. So Benesi was 23 years old and three months. He was king, in Yush- uh, he was king for three months. V'shem imo chamuto basir miyahu melifna. V'yasar Hashem kosher He did evil in the eyes of Hashem. And here, his father was a good guy, and it makes it even worse coming after such a good father. Um, and Paro uh, imprisoned him uh, in Rivla, uh, and, uh, and uh, he wanted to prevent him from being king. And he taxed the land. Now, Paro had killed the previous king, and now you see Paro is, is uh, taking charge. Some people say that he tried to take revenge for the death of his father on Paro, which was a foolish thing to do. You can't, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it sounds nice, Paro killed his father, go to war, but you don't do that if it's going to mean Jewish lives. And you don't do that if Paro is much stronger than you. It's not a good idea to take revenge. Um, but either way, this was not a good king, and Paro deposed him, and uh, he brought him... Uh, and he taxed the land. Now, this time, Paro decided who would be the next king. It's such a humiliating thing to have the Egypt decide who's going to be our leader. He put El Yakim, the other brother, there. 
and he changed his name, Yeho Yakum. Uh, in other words, Paro said, from now on, I'm going to be the boss. You Jews, you know, you thought you could stand up against me. I'm going to decide who your leader is going to be, and I, I'm going to decide what his name is going to be. And he gives them a name, Yeho Yakum. That's and he took the old king, brought him to Egypt, and he died there. So you've got a king for three months. We don't know much about him. We just know he did evil in Hashem's eyes. Maybe Hashem would have been with him if he had done, he had done better. But um, sometimes you find that, that, you know, with a leader who's evil, Hashem has very little patience for that. And so uh, Hashem, uh, he's very quickly taken down to Egypt. And we get king number two. And the new king paid the tax. He understood very well that he better pay the tax unless he wants to go down to Egypt. Uh, he didn't pay it out of his pocket. He put, levied it on the land. So some people say that uh, he wanted this king, Paro, because he knew he would pay the taxes. Um, there's two ways to learn. It could be this king was a fair king, that he taxed everybody equally. And sometimes that's not fair when you tax everybody equally. Um, it's interesting. We, we're not taxed equally. The rich pay much more than the, uh, than the poor do. Uh, people that have more. Is, is it fair if somebody has less? I don't know. Uh, but at uh, any rate, that's what uh, this king uh, did. Uh, some people learn it was a good thing. Other people learn it's just showing you that Paro put him there because he knew he would pay the tax. Um, so this is the uh, King Yoyakum. How old was he? Ben, he was 25 years old. And he was king for 11 years. And his mother's name was Zavuda. Baspedia min Roma. From uh, the place of Ruma. But Yasara, unfortunately, this king is also bad. You know, you had such a righteous father and his two kings, are, are, they do bad in Hashem's eyes. Some people learn that it, they weren't as bad as it seems. In other words, when it says they did bad in Hashem's eyes, it means Hashem could see they did bad, but um, not everybody saw it as bad. Um, <laughs> but wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, uh, correct, yeah. Um, but uh, in other places, it paints a pretty bad picture. Uh, just like his forefathers, of So in his days, uh, instead of Paro being the power, the king of Bavel comes up, and for three years he paid the taxes to Nebuchadnezzar, and then he rebelled against him. Uh, now we're in chapter 24. Now, because he did evil in Hashem's eyes, Hashem sent against him uh, terrorists. Gedude Kastim. That's one of the, the challenges we have with terrorism is that we believe Hashem is angry with us. We don't talk about that much because we don't know how to fix it. But really, the fact that there are these things that happen in Israel is a sign that uh, Hashem is upset about something. That's why the terrorists come. He said these bands of, of terrorists from the Kastim, Gedude Aram, Gedude Moab, Gedude Bnei Amon, uh, Israel never had a shortage of places where terrorism comes from, which is also interesting, still still true today. It can come from Lebanon, it can come from Syria, it can come from Gaza, it can come from the West Bank. Just it can like come it, from next door with them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it always was, and that's what happened at this time as well. But Now, why all of a sudden Hashem sent them in Yehuda to uh, to destroy them? 
like the word of Hashem, because if the Jewish people were not serving him properly, it was getting close to the time where we were going to be kicked out. And this should have been a warning to us um, uh, that we were doing wrong. And this was going in the pattern of Menashe, who was that last very evil king. Now, typically we think of the, the sin as being idol worship. The people worshiped idols, and uh, therefore the whole reason we were in the land of Israel was to improve on the people that worshiped the idols. And now that we were sliding into idolatry, we didn't deserve to be there. But there's something else that was true of the time of the, the first Beis HaMikdush. Uh, there was too much bloodshed. Uh, there was blood that was spilled. Um, and that's, a, uh, that's not a minor thing when people are killing each other. Um, Yushalayim was filled with innocent blood. Hashem can't forgive that. Can't forgive. Um, we know there were different uh, groups, and once, you know, when you look at somebody as being part of the other group, it's very easy to demonize them and not worry about. It. They're not part of my group, uh, so. Uh, but uh, we're not supposed to feel that way. A Jew is a Jew, uh, and uh, if he thinks different, we still love him. Uh, the um, uh, there was a famous story, I think, in in Brisk. Uh, there was a city in Lithuania that uh, the government, the Tsar, had, uh, there were some Jewish communists who the Tsar caught and was planning on executing them. Uh, and uh, there was a chance that they could bribe the officials to save them. So Rav Chaim Brisker wouldn't let uh, Kol Nidre start until people brought money from home to try to save these uh, boys. And the people were critical. They said, those people were communists. The communists were atheists. They hate the rabbis. Why are you trying to save them? He said, they're our boys. You know, they're Jews. Uh, they might be a little confused, you know, but, that, you know, Jewish life is a Jewish life. And he would not let them start Kol Nidre until they had the money. And so that was a pretty effective Kol Nidre appeal. <laughs> Everybody, they had to go home and pay and they, they bribed the official and he saved those lives. Um, and, uh, that's an important thing that we do have people we disagree with. And uh, sometimes we disagree with them for good reason, but we still have to love them. We still have to remember who they are and uh, not let it get too personal. You know, that's uh, the reason that we don't associate with them or we don't talk to them anymore is because of X, Y, Z. But we still have to work on caring about them. It's a, uh, it's a challenge because... Uh, sometimes, like I said, once they're on the other side, so then uh, somehow we, in our mind uh, we'd stop caring about them. And that's, uh, uh, but that's what happened here, where Yushalayim was filled with, filled with blood. That's what the Pasuk says. But yesterday, but let's be finished. The, the purpose of the Book of Kings is not to talk about the rotten apples. So <laughs> very few verses talking about the bad. You want to read about him and everything he did, go look over there, Malkahuda. Now we get to Yohoyakan. That's the third king <laughs> within, two, within uh, a few months, really. Yohoyakan uh, Beno. This was his son. And Egypt was not a problem anymore. Kilokak Melek Bavla. Now, the, 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 the two big powers were always, Israel was in between the, the, the big powers. Uh, um, 
even today, where Israel is kind of between Russia and America, you know, they, they have to deal with bigger powers. They have to tiptoe around them. Uh, uh, Israel's in a hard spot because um, their real enemy is Iran, and uh, Iran operates out of Syria, and uh, Russia is in control of Syria. And so if they... Uh, Russia has an, a very unusual thing. They've allowed Israel to protect themselves against the Iranians. Even though Iran is allied with Russia, uh, they've allowed Israel to, uh, to bomb and to uh, uh, destroy the Iranian missiles in Syria. And until now, the Russia has been good about it. So Israel feels like they can't antagonize Russia because Jewish lives will be in danger because if Russia won't let them attack the Iranians in Syria, then Israel will have weapons on their border pointed at all their major cities. Um, And so even though they don't like Russia... Don't you think the Abraham Accord means something to Russia? Not that they're afraid of it, but... It's a thorn now. Could be, could be. It's an interesting subject. Um, the, the point I wanted to make is just that we've always had to deal with superpowers, competing powers. And um, it's very easy to say, um, I think those that want to say Israel hasn't done enough for the Ukraine are, are, are just picking on them because you could pick on any country and say, oh, Germany didn't do enough for the Ukraine. France, to blame Israel, it's a little country in the Middle East that they should do more for the Ukraine. Is, but people See, love to whatever that guy says. Blame your mother. Right, they love to blame Israel. That's right. Certain people are punching bag. Israel's one is a punching bag in the middle. But um, I'm just pointing out that Israel probably would would love to help anybody who's under attack, uh, including Ukraine. Even though there's uh, Ukraine uh, uh, never supported Israel in the UN in the past. Uh, but uh, the, at the end of the day, they need to uh, have uh, be on good terms with Russia. And uh, not just to buy gas or to do it because otherwise the, uh, the Jews are in danger from the Iranians in Syria. And so that's part of the picture of, the, of having to deal with superpowers, which again hasn't changed. So at any rate, uh, Egypt, though, was quiet at this time because Bubba, uh, the interesting thing I find is that as much as things have changed, they're still the same. <laughs> so, like, we're reading about the kings and the political powers in the Middle East, and there's so much that's very much the same. Like, you know, we're talking about how the terrorists come from the different places, or, or we're talking about the superpowers. Sometimes it's this one, sometimes it's that one. Um, and it's very, whatever we see today is not really new. It's just, uh, it's something, it's a pattern that we've seen before. So, at any rate, uh, the, but Mitzrayim, the bubble now is the, is the power to deal with. Um, now, we're going to hear more about the current king. This was the king number three after Yoshio. Uh, and this one, um, uh, so Ben Shmona, Esrem Shon, this one was only 18. So you had one king that was 23, and then the king that was 25. And now we get the one that's 18. He was king for three months, and his mother was Nakushta Basalchanim Yushalayim. And this one did evil in the eyes of his father, just like his dad. And now, uh, this time, Bavel raids the country. And they come out to the city under siege. We have fast days for these sieges. These sieges were awful. People died when they made a siege. No, no food got in. No food, no water, uh, plague. It's terrible. Now, this king did do one good thing, which is interesting. Um, instead of letting the city be destroyed, 
he came out to the king and gave himself up uh, and uh, hoped for the best. He came with his mom. <laughs> the royal mother, right? I don't know why she had to come. <laughs> it's just interesting it mentions her, right? It's the, who He came with his mother and his servants, his servants, Risov. Uh, basically, he came as like a whole party. And the king of Babel took him. Now, uh, the king of Bubble should have just gone home now, but he decided he was going to take all the money. So he went into the uh, the uh, temple and he took all the money. Now it's one thing to take the money, it's another thing to melt the gold down. There was a lot of gold in the temple on the doors and the gates. He melted it off the gates of the gold, all the way he took the gold that Shlomo HaMelech had put in the base of Migdash. And he sent into exile all the leading residents of Shalayim and the officers and all the strong people, 20,000. He took all the leading citizens. He wanted to make sure that the Jews wouldn't be able to rebel. And he thought if he takes the intelligentsia, the smart people, the, the important people, this, by the way, Hitler, Yamakshimo, did the same thing when he conquered a country. He took away the leading citizens. Uh, he usually killed them, but that was, um, that's what he did in Poland, actually. The, uh, he took away all the officers, all the leading citizens, uh, but that's what he did. This actually was part of Hashem's plan. Um, most nations don't survive going into exile. It's a very difficult thing to... Isn't this one Daniel? Yes, correct. Very good, Daniel. And so what he did was he took the Jews, went down as a group, and they weren't going down as slaves. That was later when they lost the war that they were sold as slaves. This, they went down as a group uh, that were sent as a, by a decree of the king, and they set up base in Bavel. So that later on, when the Beis HaMikdash would be destroyed, there already was a community in Bavel. And uh, uh, this community, uh, the people that came found a very, uh, well, they found schools and they found communities and uh, they were very comfortable in Bavel. Uh, so uh, this king, uh, this Jewish king, actually went to Bavel. As Aim HaMelech, as Neshe HaMelech, and the queens and his officers, they were all brought uh, from Golis in Shushalayim. Now, this should have been the warning to us. This was the beginning of the Golis. Uh, already now, the land was, the base of English wasn't destroyed, uh, the, uh, but we should have seen the handwriting on the wall. This was the beginning of the end. Who was the Navi now at this time? Uh, Yirmiyahu. Jeremiah. Okay. All of the gatekeepers, and he took the main officers, and he brought them to Bavel, uh, and, uh, and he brought them there. Uh, so uh, this is the, the, the beginning of the, um, of the Golis in Bavel. And now this time, uh, Bavel decides he wants a different king, he takes the uncle of the previous king, and the king's is Metanyo, and Vayasef Eshmo, and he calls his name Sidkiyahu. Now we get to the last king, at the end of the book of Kings, we're at the final final chapter, Sidkiyahu. Um, it's interesting how these Gentile people gave Jewish kings names, um, and they're very Jewish. Sidkiyahu is a beautiful, it's like Sadik. <laughs> Sadik means, I want you to keep your word, I want you to be loyal to me. 
Uh, which uh, it's not in the interest of the Jewish people to be loyal to this pagan king, but but that's what the king wanted. Ben Esim he was twenty one. and he was king for eleven years. Yushalayim, and his mother's name was Kamutal. He was just as bad. Now, Chazal say that he he in some ways he wasn't so bad, but. Um, in the overall picture, he was bad, like his father. Ki al-afa Hashem Hashem's anger at this point was in Yerushalayim. Yehuda ad osam, until he threw them down, me'al from his face. Bavel. And uh, this new king rebelled against Bavel. He did not want to serve him. Now, we'd say, what's the matter with him? What was the big deal? It was a big deal to serve these Gentile kings. Um, when they controlled the country, all kinds of terrible things happened. Uh, but the question always is, when is it that we need to just pay our taxes and, uh, and be happy we're alive? And when is it we need to rebel? That's always the question uh, that the, the people have to think about. Uh, when can they, uh, is it uh, reasonable to assume that Hashem will protect us if we rebel against a superpower? Or no, we have no, the, if you remember, uh, the righteous king, Yoshio, was punished that he thought Hashem would protect us from when we would rebel against Egypt, and he didn't. And he had no right to expect that. So uh, why Sidkiyahu thought he would get away with rebelling against Bavel this time, and that Bavel would be nice about it, um, it's really part of Hashem's plan to bring the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. Uh, that's what happened over here. So uh, this is the, the final chapter, uh, chapter 25. Um, let's let's stop here because this way will really that last week will be the final uh, the destruction of the base of Migdush, the final battle. I thought a lot about this. You know, maybe we should do Haggadah or the because uh, it, it it is it's like a Tishabov theme. You know, to talk about the destruction of the base of Migdush. But we thank God are are in the month of Nisan, which is about Geula. It's about redemption. And uh, we're in Gullus. We, we live with it every day that we're not in the land of Israel, that we don't have uh, good leadership and that there's lots of problems in the world. And uh, we can talk about the destruction of the base of Migdush. Uh, this was part of Hashem's plan. And uh, we're already planning for the third base of Migdush, you know, hopefully soon. And so it's, um, uh, it's uh, I don't know that I would have chosen to learn this chapter uh, next week before Pesach. But on the other hand, uh, we're hoping that it'll be a month of redemption, that, that it'll lead us to the way back. So it's not the, uh, uh, it's not the worst thing to learn. So we will uh, hopefully finish this, and uh, um, it's Hashem next week. And, uh, we'll be extra happy that uh, hopefully the Sutton doesn't stop us uh, from, uh, from finishing. And, uh, um, and then uh, after Pesach, we'll probably be off for at least two weeks. We'll figure out the date, if we'll start right away after Pesach or not, and uh, we'll take things from there.